Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. When Jesus went about all the cities and villages, verse 35, teaching in their churches, their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Everybody say every. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. I want you to say that. Say he was moved. I don't want you to focus necessarily on the surrounding context and what I just mentioned. I want you to notice that word, those three words, he was moved. Say it again. He was moved. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Mark chapter 1 verse 40 through 41 I want you to notice that word moved in this particular scripture as well. It says this, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Say moved. He was moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing be cleansed he is willing this morning this is not this is not what I'm here for this what I just read this but I feel prophetically there's many people in this room who have questions about God maybe you've never been touched by the Lord maybe you've been pursuing other things Maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need a job. Maybe, maybe you have some things that are delayed in your life that you're waiting on God to do. Know this. He is willing. He's willing. And he's here. Say he's here. He's willing. So this word moved has been standing out to me the past couple of days. I've been singing this song on YouTube. It's by Maverick City. And the song says, tell me what moves you. The more I go to church, I've been in church for about two decades now. I'm finding out that there are things that move God. And I'm finding out that there are things that don't move him. I'll tell you this, that religion does not move God. Religiosity does not move God. I don't know about you, but I am, I am in a pursuit in this season of my life to figure out what moves you. I'll tell you one of the things that this church did not necessarily have a DNA for, but God spoke to me. And I knew I was doing good things but I don't want to just do good things in my life. I want to do God's things. Like I want to do what's on his heart. I want to, I want to do and partner with that which moves him. And you know, I, I asked him, I said, Lord, you know, 
Does preaching move you? And I'm sure to some kind of degree it moves the heart of God because it touches his people. We know that worship moves him. And he spoke to me something, Mike, that, and, and he made a way for us to get this large truck that is about 24 feet long. And, you know, out of all the things he could have said, I thought he, he, told, he was going to tell me, you know, um, you know, the prophetic is going to move him in the city. And this and that was going to move him in the city. And you know what God told me? He said, feed the hungry. And I said, well, if I could be quite honest, I, I didn't share that same vision with God. And then we started feeding the hungry monthly. Thousands of pounds of food. And then more and more, the services begin to be filled with the anointing in the presence of God. It taught me something. That there are things that move God and there are things that don't move God. Lights don't move God. Fog machines don't move him. Obedience moves him. So I've been on this quest to figure out what, what moves his hand. No longer, you know, concerned with what moves of my heart. Because there are things that move us and things that don't move God. Many times what moves us does not move God. Eloquent speaking does not move God. A nice car and a nice home, it might move people, but it doesn't move God. I started realizing that God has a language. I'm thinking about this this book called, I think it's by Gary Chapman, called The Five Love Languages. You know God has a language? And I started thinking about one of the first things that are in this book is words of affirmation is a love language. You know, me and my wife, you know, when we first met, we didn't speak the same language. I mean, we both spoke English. But we both had different needs in, 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 in ways that we both felt loved differently. And all the married people who understand when exactly what I'm talking about say amen. There's five primarily, primarily five love languages. Can I tell them to you? In this book, words of affirmation. Some people couldn't care less if you gave them a compliment. They want quality time. It's not about words. It's about time. Receiving gifts acts of service, and physical touch. Did you know that God shares a lot of these love languages as well? You, Jesus is a person. He, he really right now is at the right hand of the Father and has holes in his hands. He has a physical body. Did you know that? Jesus is a person. I'll validate it through Scripture. When he appeared to the disciples, Thomas the doubter was in the room. And he said, unless I see the nail prints in his hand and the piercing in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus reaches out his own hand. This is after Jesus is crucified. Takes Thomas's hand and puts it on his side. And he said, put your finger here. Put your hand here. And Jesus validates the fact that he still has a body. He still has feelings. He still has likes. He has dislikes. He did not like walking and having company or keeping company with religious leaders because they were religious. They, 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 they built altars around their religion instead of building an altar around God because he realized there are certain things that move God and certain things that do not. 
when the Pharisees were buying and selling inside the sanctuary or inside the synagogue, what did Jesus do? He got angry and flipped tables because he realized that selling merchandise in the house of the Lord does not move the heart of God. Amen? And if you think about the Bible, it's infused with words of affirmation. It is a love letter to who? His bride. Whether you're male or female, you are his bride. I know that's uncomfortable for some of you tough guys out there. I used to be one. But words of affirmation are laced. The whole Bible, like in the book of Isaiah, I believe it was on Bible Gateway yesterday. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3, it says this, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. In Jeremiah chapter 31 Verse 3, he says, the Lord appeared of old to me, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. God, by nature, is an affirming heavenly Father. He gives you words of affirmation to encourage you. And all throughout the Bible, God is trying to get his people to recognize and understand that you were created in his likeness. And so over and over, he used words of affirmation so that he can conform you into his image. So that he can position you to love him well back. That's what words of affirmation do. And this is why you shouldn't spend so much time crucifying your teenager with words. Start speaking words of affirmation. Start speaking over them who you know that God has called them to be to your young child. And for those of you whose spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend doesn't look like you want them to look right now, when you use words of affirmation, words in the scriptures, word has, the word of God has the ability to recreate you into something that God has called you to be. Words of affirmation. The book of Proverbs says it like this, life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Amen? Say words of affirmation. I've learned over the years that when someone has a certain love language that they have personally, they generally do for others what they want done for themselves. I'm going to tell on my mother really quick. She's here. Hold her back, honey, if she comes towards the pulpit. Every, every birthday, every birthday, I get about, you know, a couple of cards from her. She doesn't just give me one card. She underlines all the words. She loves words. She loves poetry. Since I was a little boy, she used to read those poetic books. So she loves words. You know people like that. Like if you don't like roses or gifts, most women do. But if you don't and you wonder, like, why does my husband? I tell him every year I'm not like a rose girl, but he keeps giving me roses. He probably likes gifts. Therefore, he gets gifts. And people who love words like my friend Rick and my mother, they will in turn be affirmative through their words. And so what someone does to you often, how they speak to you, by either getting you gifts or spending quality time, it's usually because that is their love language. And so all throughout the Bible, God is showing you a part of his love language that you may have never even thought of. He, by nature, is an affirming heavenly father, but he also loves words. 
You ever thought about like this? This is why he shows up like this in worship meetings. It's because he loves when you sing words to him that describe his nature, that remind him of his power. Thank you, God, for who you are. We bless your holy name. You're wonderful. Listen, we don't do it because it makes us feel good. We do it because it makes him feel good. And listen, when you start making him feel really good with your words of affirmation, he comes in and changes the atmosphere and starts making you feel really good. Come on, does everybody hear what I'm saying? Say, God loves words of affirmation. When I think about the man in the Bible who God called the man after his own heart, he had one, he had many talents, but one of his main things that captured the heart of God, it wasn't his stone and his sling. It wasn't his ability, his leadership ability. God didn't fall in love with this kid because he took really good care of the sheep. Good to see you, Nick. It wasn't because he was handsome because the Bible says that he was handsome in form. He was good looking. No, 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 no. This is not what got God's attention. It was the fact that David knew a secret about God that many of us do not know. God loves words of affirmation. And so did you know that there was 150 psalms that David coined and wrote? The Bible calls him the sweet psalmist, King David. And the reason that David got God's attention wasn't because he was handsome, knew how to carry a sword or knew how to throw a rock. He knew how to move the heart of God with his words. He would get that stringed harp and he would play for God and he would come up with all these different words, words like, oh Lord, I magnify you, I glorify you. Who can compare to you, Lord? Psalms 145 says it so beautifully. Verse 10, all your works shall praise you, oh Lord, your saints shall bless you. Psalms 108, verse three, I will praise you, oh Lord, among the peoples and I will sing praises to you among the nations. Psalms 57, verse 9 through 10 in the Message Bible. Listen how he says it. I'm thanking you, God, out loud in the streets, singing your praises in the town and in the country. The deeper your love, the higher it goes. Every cloud is a flag of your faithfulness. It's no wonder that God called him the man after his own heart. Listen to me. Do not run to all of these. Events are great. We had one in the past couple of days. Thursday and Friday. But do not exhaust yourself running from service to service. Now, you should be in church on Sunday. Look at somebody and say that. You better be on church at church on Sunday. But I see people who run to and fro looking for a word, looking for affirmation looking for a prophetic word. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But if you start focusing, you know what gets God's attention? So we run to those meetings because we want God's attention. We want God to speak to us. But do you know he is waiting at your bedside every single morning, waiting for you to give him a word? 
Oh, I know that's too heavy for some of you because you thought the opposite. He wants to hear from you. While you're sitting there waiting, give me a word, Lord. Give me a download. Let a prophet speak to me. Let a prophet speak to me. He's there waiting and seeing what the first fruit of your lips would be first thing in the morning when you rolled out of bed because he loves words of affirmation. I have vowed to the Lord that my feet will not hit the ground for the past decade. I said, my feet will not hit the ground before I bless your holy name to give you thanks, to give you praise. And this is, what, this is what draws in the presence of God is when you thank him and when you praise him. Listen, this is gonna be hard. Don't wait to thank him. Don't wait till things get easy before you thank him. This is what changed my life. I didn't wait for all my circumstances to get right. I didn't wait for my children to start acting right. I didn't wait for the church to start doing well. I didn't wait for all of my problems to go away before I blessed God because then it wouldn't be a sacrifice of... It's called a sacrifice of praise because that's praising God in advance before he does it. And listen, when you start to thank him before it's done, it inspires him to want to do more on your behalf. Amen? Is everybody listening to me this morning? When I think about the worship here at Ascension, the word Ascension means to go higher. That's what it means. The Lord gave me the name, woke me up out of my sleep, and I just heard the name, just like thunder, Ascension. And, and here's the thing that most people, like when I was doing some research on Mount Everest, and there's different mile markers where people had died going up the mountain. Does anybody know that? Like people die every single year climbing Mount Everest. Because not everybody can handle that altitude. It's fierce. And I thought to myself, this is what I want ascension to look like. I want to go to high places that not every church is willing to go. I, I want to make sure that this is a place, this is a hub that gives God Listen, worship, I say this often, worship is really, truly the only part of the service where God gets all the credit and all the glory. The deliverance part is for you. The healing part is for you and me. The word part is for you and me. You and me. But worship and all those words of affirmation that we're giving him, that's all for him. Amen? So we often talk about lyrics being very important to God. And you'll notice that a lot of songs that we sing here, although I do like a feel-good song every once in a while, God bless me, God turn it around, late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. See, I like that stuff, that old gospel stuff. But I started finding out that those were more of me songs versus him songs. Because they can be Christian, but not Christ. They can be Christian lyrics without being Christ-exalting worship. There's a difference. Christian lyrics make us in our Christianity feel good, but, but God-exalting lyrics, come on, things that bring his presence in the room are always Christ-exalting. Remember when we were singing, unto the lamb, unto the lamb? When, when, you, when you lift him up, the Bible says, when you lift, if, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So lyrics can either repel him or draw him. When it's more self-driven, it will make us feel good. But when it's Christ-driven, it draws him. 
I don't know about you, but I, I want to mature past it all being about feel good because most of you know if you've been walking with Jesus more than seven days, you will not always feel. You will not always feel holy. You will not always feel like praising him. But God is calling a company of people, I believe, in this last hour, and we are recalibrating. I think, I really truly believe that God is recalibrating the church, recalibrating its focus to where it's more Christ-exalting versus man-exalting, woman-exalting, even just worship-exalting, but Christ-exalted. One of the second things... And this is where most people struggle, and this is where I've struggled by far because of my schedule. Is God is moved by quality time with Him. You know, when I schedule time with Him, I have been tempted to pick up my phone. You know, my phone rings a lot. I, I've told many of you not that long ago that just within one day I had over a hundred incoming and outgoing calls, not emails, not text messages. Over 100, and that's usually pretty much almost a daily thing for me. Phone always ringing and messages coming in. Listen, if, if the devil cannot corrupt you, he will get you busy. Somebody say quality time. Watch what it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Is this okay this morning? Is everybody getting a little something? In Luke chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. It says, however, the report went around about Jesus concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together to hear and he healed to be healed by him and of their infirmities. So he himself often, watch this, withdrew, withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. Somebody say often. often. You cannot become Christ-like without quality time with him. You can go to meeting after meeting. You can get on a prophetic hotline in a prayer chain. But if you do not have time with him, time. Somebody say time. I told you somebody the other week. I said, you ever seen a person who's been around their spouse like for a really, really long time? And they start to look like them. They start developing the same qualities. Have you ever seen pets? You know, people will walk in there, you know, and they kind of like, did you choose that dog on purpose or just? I used to ask people if they were saved I'd, and, and walking with Jesus. I don't have to anymore. I can tell in their conversations and in their conduct. I can tell in their desires because I know what he looks like. I know what his character is. That's what I mean. His behaviors, his mannerisms, and you spend time enough. And listen, the way that you develop is carving away time with him. Whether it's first time in the morning or throughout the afternoon or in the evening before you go to sleep, spending quality time with him will develop his likeness and his character in you. You cannot become like something you don't spend time with. And you cannot become like the person of Jesus Christ until you spend time with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that Jesus is still on the earth? Not in the flesh, though. Let me be really theological right now, okay? Doctrine is very 
important here because if I say something that's outside of the word of God, you can discount it. Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? He is the third person of the what? The Trinity. The Holy Spirit is Jesus without a body. It's Jesus without limitation. Remember when he said, I have to go to the Father. Don't hold on to me. I have to go to the Father because if I don't go to the Father, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. So that being said, guess who's in the room? Jesus is in the room without a body, without limitation. He's not limited to just Jerusalem. He's now able to go to the uttermost parts of the earth like the Bible says. Say the Holy Spirit is not limited. So in spite of your strenuous schedule, we have to carve out time, quality time. This this is what moves God, not busyness. Listen, if you serve in the ministry and if you run to different events, that doesn't necessarily move God. Time with him moves him. You getting into several prayer lines is can be awesome. You can get impartation. But can I tell you, that's not the only way you can receive impartation. The most impartations I've ever received was in the quietness of my own home or the quietness of my own office, just meditating on the Lord, loving on him, giving him my quality time. Amen. How many are going to commit to spending more time with him? This is what he wants. He doesn't want more ministry from you. He doesn't want more serving, although he may. He wants your quality time because what you spend time doing the most reveals where your treasure is. Because where your treasure is, there your your heart will be also. Let me give you some practicals. How do you spend time with him? Say how. It's very simple. God told me sometimes I over make things too complex. I think everybody should have a devotional time in the morning to sit before the Lord, even if it's for five minutes, opening up a devotional or reading a scripture verse, reading his word, having quiet time, reflection time, retrospect, like looking. Paul, the apostle said, examine yourselves as to whether or not you're in the faith. So that would be reflection. There was time when I was not the nicest to my brother recently. I didn't say anything bad, but I was just sharp. You know, when you're sharp, I know all of you are really holy and you never act out of character. But I was just sharp and unloving to my brother right here. And I felt the quickening of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so I had sat before the Lord and I said, you know, why, why would I react? Just firm. I was firm. I wasn't mean. I was just firm. But the Lord said, you know, that wasn't my character. And so just in my own quiet time, Lord, why, why would I react that way? We have to do that. Sit before the Lord. Like, why does these certain things move me when people do these certain things? Listen, when a child of God truly has Christ on the inside of them, when somebody squeezes you, like when you squeeze a lemon, you expect lemon juice to come out. It's unfortunate that the world squeezes us and other things other than Christ come out. 
it is unfortunate, but God wants us to come to such a place to where when pressures of life hit us, when there's job loss, Christ comes out. Speaking his word, not speaking negatively. When your ministry's not going the way that you want it to. When that squeezes you, you still, blessed be the name of the Lord. When your spouse isn't treating you as fairly as you want them to or in a loving way, you still love them back. Come on, when people are impatient with you and you don't react, you know, sharply to them, when they squeeze you, you want the character of Christ to come out. Amen? Can I tell you what God wants more than you just being delivered? And he does want you delivered. What he wants above all things. Are you ready? It's in the word of God. He has predestined us to be delivered by de- of demons. No, it doesn't say that, although he does desire that. I have predestined you to become rich. No, it does not say that. I have predestined you to walk in peace and joy, although he wants that. It doesn't say that. He says, I've predestined you to be conformed into the image of my son. Deliverance is leading to something, Christ-likeness. All freedom that God wants to give us is leading unto something. He wants when the world looks at us to see his son. What does the world see when they see you? And when we spend quality time with him, the more and more we spend time with him, the more and more we consecrate our lives to him, the more we look like him, we talk like him, we conduct ourselves like him. Number three, is everybody getting something? Number three, I'll tell you a secret about our Lord. He loves receiving gifts. Anybody ever got you a gift that you're like, they don't know me. It ends up in the shelf or it gets re-gifted. I got a re-gift this morning from my friends. It was a good gift. It was for my son. And uh, I'll tell you what it was. Can I tell them, Mike? So they came this morning and they gave me this big remote control car in the box. I mean, completely. How, how, how long ago, Mike? A couple years ago, they bought this, uh, this remote control RC car for their son. And, I'm, and they, they wanted me to give it to my son, my 10-year-old, Cohen. And I was excited because I wasn't excited because Cohen was getting it. I was excited about using it. I'm like, yes, I love remote control cars. He went on to tell me, he said, you know, my son never used it. I said, why in the world would a teenage boy not want to use it? He said, oh, because he likes, he likes Legos. In the body of Christ, we oftentimes give things to the Lord he doesn't want. He doesn't want more of your efforts. He wants your heart. That's the first thing he's after. He loves gifts. And can I tell you this? He knows when it's sacrificial and when it's not. Even King David understood this. I remember, I remember when we were starting this church and we could have easily taken an offering up to start the church. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, I want you to use that which belongs to you. Don't burden the people. And then I heard this verse of scripture. I will not give to the Lord what costs me nothing. 
This moves the heart of God. Listen, you want to know how? Thank you, Holy Spirit. You want to know how you're doing the will of God, saint, child of God? You want to know? When, when, when you're feeling called and you don't know what to do in life, you know when you come to that crossroad in your life and you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And usually it's met either by two things, an easy road and a hard road. Am I right? It's very easy. I don't even have to have a prophetic edge to know what God's will would be because he said straight and narrow is the road that leads to life. Come on, say it with me. You know the scripture, straight and narrow is the road that leads to life. So usually God never asks you to do the easy thing. Very rarely. It will usually be the sacrificial road. I know the church doesn't get many amens when we start talking about a life of death to self and about not taking the easy way. But if you want to be happy, if you want to experience true lasting joy, start sacrificing, start giving. Where you're in need, start giving it to somebody else's life. Wherever you're in want, start meeting somebody else's need. Because this is the way, this is the Christian life. This is the spiritual life in Christ Jesus is going out of your way and doing for others what you want done for yourselves and in return God will begin to do it for you straight and narrow Jesus said it like this you know your life is a seed he said unless a seed goes into the ground and dies it abides alone but if it abides alone and it dies it bears much fruit in order for the believer to experience life at its very best it must experience death It has to experience self-denial first because God cannot trust you with fruit until there's death. He cannot trust us. Many of us, we haven't gotten things from God that we want is because we have always gotten our way. And God is trying to show us it's not about that. It's not about having it your way. You, did you know that heaven... Heaven doesn't operate like Burger King. Many, there's many people who struggle in their marriage because they feel that they have to have it their way. But God's way is different. He lives in a different realm, in a different kingdom. And you will only start experiencing the blessings of heaven when you understand what move, moves God's heart. And one of his primary things that one of the primary things that moves him is giving him gifts gifts that are sacrificial and you cannot say you love God and not be a giver and you know what he wants more than anything out of your life sure he wants Christ-like character but he wants much more than that he wants your life Catherine Kuhlman said it like this it costs much oh Oh, it's so costly. I could cry thinking about the cost. And it is costly, but it's worth the cost. Somebody say it's worth the cost. It's, it costs much. It'll cost you everything. Your relationship may cost you family members. It may cost you friends. It may cost you influence. But one thing I found about God, I've tried to bargain with him over and over again. Don't take that, Lord. Let's make a deal. He doesn't do bargains. And he doesn't mark it down. 
You know how some of you women, when you go to the stores and you look for that rack that says clearance over the top of it, that doesn't happen in God's kingdom. He only, he only will ask of you what hurts. He'll ask you to let go of things you want to hold on to. Remember when I wanted to give away the business, I finally died to self. I said, Lord, I'm going to give my business away. I'm going to just give it to you. We'll give it to the, you know, give it to the church. I'm going into full-time ministry. I, didn't, I wasn't at that place the first year. And the second year, I said, Lord, I'm done. And at that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit says, nope, I want you to hold on to it. Because in the back of my mind, I knew it'd be easier to do ministry full-time versus having a full-time job. What am I saying? He will ask you to let go of, of what you want to hold on to and what you want to let go of. What you want to let go of, he wants you to hold on to. And what you want to hold on to, he'll ask it of you. Because he always asks you of things that will cost you something. And why, why would God do this? It's because you identify with him then. He gave his life. And it, you cannot know God unless you go through what he went through. Oh, I know that's heavy stuff. I, I, know, that's, I know that's real heavy. In order for you to know Jesus, I want to know you, Jesus. And I said that, and, I, and my life has been marked with suffering. I want to know you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. How about a little rejection in your life? How about everybody turn their back on you like they turned their back on me? How about your husband leave you? How about, how, about, how about a few people talk about you that you love? How about the people that you thought would run with you your whole life are the very ones that turn their back on you? And the most unexpected people come alongside you and help you fulfill my calling in your life. When you begin to experience suffering, it's because God is trying to get you to identify with him. Why is she your best friend? Why is he your best friend? Why do y'all get along so well? How are y'all able to talk so well with each other? Because she went through what you went through. Oh, that's, that's good stuff. Because he went through what you went through. This is how Jesus gets you to be his friend. Is when you go through, oh, I know. I, when you go through what he's gone through, This is funny. I'm not gloating when I tell you this. I was telling my friends this last week. I remember, I remember, oh Lord, should I say this? I just want you to know that God wants to be, I'm only telling you this because there is a place you can get with the Lord where you're his friend. You're not just his servant. You're his friend. I went to a meeting the other day and there's several things that have been happening and, and my ears have just been open a little bit more to the Holy Spirit. And I went to a meeting and normally this, this person would always be there. It's a church we go to. And, and as soon as I walked in the room and I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit said, he's not here today. And, I, and I, I leaned over to my wife and my wife said, oh, certainly he's here. Pastor will definitely be here. It's Pentecost Sunday. He would not miss this Sunday for nothing. Did you tell me that? Raise your hand if I'm telling the truth. Just raise your hand. Embarrass yourself a little bit. I just, I was quiet. I restrained myself and held my tongue. And the service went on and on and on and on. And then come to find out on that very important Sunday, he wasn't there. And he never misses. Never, he never misses. And, and, and I asked the Lord, and then she said, oh my gosh, he's not here. 
And I, and I asked the Lord, I wanted to know why. I wanted to know, why would you share information to me, Lord, that is not applicable to me whatsoever? And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? Because we're friends. It's like when I'm up in the front, my brother, he's my friend, and Rick and many others in the front row here, they're my friends. Michael, these are, these are my friends. And I will say, so-and-so's not here, just sharing information with them. Not that's pertinent, but we're just sharing information because we're friends. And, and, and when you give things that are sacrificial in your life, you give up things that you want to hold on to, you're identifying yourself with Jesus because he did the same. And therefore, you become his, you become his friend. When you bleed like he does in your heart, you identify with him. When you suffer like he did, you identify with him. And that makes a friendship. When you both go through a similar thing, it makes you friends. It gives you something to talk about. Are y'all hearing me this morning? In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, and then I'm gonna jump over that verse, go to 43 through 44. It says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and he saw how people put money into the treasury and how many who were rich put in much and there was one poor widow that came and threw in two mites which makes a quadrants and he called his disciples to himself and said assuredly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given into the treasury treasury for they all put in much they put in out of their abundance but she out of her poverty put in all that she had all that she had, her whole livelihood. It's amazing to me to watch how much this widow gave into the offering box, and it wasn't because it was money. I mean, can you imagine if I, when you gave, my eyes were in the bucket? You guys would have a fit. First of all, I never know who's giving what. But there's a much, much more deeper spiritual meaning here. Jesus wasn't looking into this bucket to see how much money she gave. She wanted to see the size of her heart. Because what you, what you give that is, is, is near and dear to you, how much you give of what is near and dear to you, determines the size of your heart and how much, not how much you give, it's how much of a heart you've given to him. Come on, somebody say amen. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number four, I'm almost done. Are y'all getting something this morning? Acts of service. I'm trying to teach you, I want to teach you how to get close to him and what moves him. Because I'm tired of what the church has built over the years. We've been building monuments and movements that he has nothing to do with. All the while, he's watching and waiting, and he wants to move in services again. He wants to do things in services again. And we want to find out as a body of believers what moves his heart. Amen? But if you have the heart, listen, it will... It will I'm talking about, you know, not doing things outwardly, but it will manifest into that acts of service. Say acts of service. 
But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith, the Bible says, by my works. James chapter 2 verse 18 says it like this. I can already hear I can already hear of one of you agreeing, saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works. This is Message Bible. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works and works and faith fit together like a hand in a glove. Listen, true faith motivates us to action in servicing God's kingdom. And do you know that moves his heart? Many of you got sacrificed for a couple of days this past week. That moves God's heart. Sacrifice always moves his heart. When you serve him, listen, we can't say that we love him and not serve him. Oh yes, I guess we can, but you cannot, listen, you can serve without loving him, but you can't love him without serving him. Did you hear what I just said? You can serve because you want to be seen and have community. But a person who genuinely loves God cannot stay still and do nothing. I know that's heavy stuff because love, listen, when me and my wife, we, we, all the time, we still do this with each other. We, we, we're, we're moved by our love for one another so that we're moved to action. Oh, you didn't think you can go to church for just you? You know that many people do that? They go to church to receive, and that's not a bad thing. God can use that, but ultimately, what he wants you to do is come to church for him. You come out of love and devotion, not, yes, come out of your brokenness. Yes, come for the the surgeon to do his mighty surgery on you, But, 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 but what happens after he heals you? What happens after he delivers you, then what? Keep coming out of love and devotion is because you want to serve him and then you want to find people in their brokenness and help them get to where you got by serving the body of Christ acts of service Jesus didn't say after he poured out the Holy Spirit why don't you sit and stay in Jerusalem he did after the Holy Spirit but after the Holy Spirit was poured out what did he say now you go be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth he was saying get into service get busy serving me don't just get, eat but also feed people. Come on, say, I have to eat, but I also have to feed people. Come on, how many believe that? Come on, when God does something for you, don't keep it to yourself. Go see to it that somebody else gets fed and gets freed up. Amen? You remember the Martha and Mary story? I'll be closing in just a moment, but remember the Martha and the Mary story? That, that story was very intentional, I believe. And unfortunately, you're either a Martha or a Mary. It's either one extreme. Either you're that Martha who's busy. You're the first one when people come over. You got to make a peanut butter and jelly, make sure everybody's needs are met. You don't want to sit down and talk. You're just, you're a worker. Or you're the other extreme, the super spiritual one who's at the altar the whole time and who cares if people are hungry. I don't care if the house is dirty. I'm loving on Jesus. Does everybody know what I'm saying? You can identify. But listen, God is looking for a company of people who are both. I don't want to be just a Mary. I I definitely don't want to be just a Martha. I want to be a 
a Martha and a Mary, one who loves Jesus well. But out of my love, I will also serve his people. Amen? And do for others. Say, I'm a lover and a doer. Yeah, amen. Amen. I prophesy that over each and every one of you to become lovers first. Lovers first in Jesus' name and doers. May the love of God so enrich your heart that it motivates you to do something for others. There's a quote by Reinhard Bonnke. He says, God doesn't sit with sitters. He goes with goers. I want to tell you a quick story. This is not in my notes. We went to Guatemala to do some outreach and we wanted to feed people. We wanted to give supplies and we did this a couple a couple years ago. And I had never, I'd never gone to another nation. It was my first time going to another nation. I'm so busy here. But we went to another nation. I have never seen God move in such power and demonstration in my entire life. Where is Madi at in the room? Madi Pena. Is she not here? Is she next door? Okay. Well, when we went there, we were in the plane almost crying. Not, not, not because we were having to go back to work at home. It wasn't because of that. It's because we didn't want to come down off of what God just did. And I've never, I've never seen him move quite like that. In the miracles, the signs and the wonders, his tangible presence, anywhere we would go, we would go to a restaurant and there would be a little revival in the restaurant. Prophetic words would be given. I mean, the whole restaurant. It was so powerful. People were just being touched left and right. And I learned something about God. While many of us sit here and say, God, will you do something? Will you move? And he's saying, will you do something? Will you move? Will you get off your blessed assurance? Will you get out and feed somebody? Will you get out and pray for somebody? Yeah, I see you in the prayer line, but will you go go? Pray for people in the prayer line. Will you, will you, I know you're hungry. I know you're in need. But will you go fulfill the need in somebody else's life instead of worrying about what's, what you're in need of in your own life? I, I know that doesn't preach well, but this is a dynamic about God that I've learned that when you meet the needs of others and when you serve God and you serve his people, it, it, there's a nearness that God, because you need assistance. And that assistance is called the Holy Spirit. He, he many times, I know this may sound a little controversial, but he will, he, will, he will serve you. He will assist you more when you're meeting the needs of others than he will assist you accomplishing your own thing. I could say it in tongues much better. I, I, need, I need you to really hear this. This is, this, is impec- this is very, very important that you listen to this. I have found out that God partners with me more when I attempt to help others versus trying to accomplish my own thing. Listen to, listen to this. Now I believe this is by the Spirit. Now I feel, I, I'm feeling the Lord now. Have you ever some, seen somebody who's deeply in need and they're always in need and you almost don't want to ask them how they're doing? Because you know what they're going to say? They're going to mention their 10 needs. I, I am not, not, there's many people in need in this room. I'm not knocking that, but I want to tell you a secret about God. Do not stay in your need by, your needs, will, here it is. Your needs will remain as long as you keep asking people to help you come up out of your needy situation. 
the needs will always be there. There's a, there's a Bible scripture that says you eat and yet you're not full. You put money in bags, yet your money has wings. Does anybody know the Bible scripture? I'm talking the Bible. When you are always in need, here's the secret. Here's the secret. Start going and giving and serving and watch what God does. It turns around on you. The blessings, he'll turn it around on you. And he will meet and do more for you than you're doing for the people. I'll read it again. She gave out of her poverty. And you say, I have nothing to give. Well, you have your time to give. You have your heart to give into God's work. Do something for someone else. Amen? I want to tell you this last one. This is what I wanted to conclude and close that. Can you stand to your feet? I'm trying to share the heart of God and give you his language. He has a love language. He has a personality. He's a person. And if you want to get his attention, speak his language. Amen? This is my favorite one. One of his love languages is physical touch. We were attempting to do that during worship this morning. Physical touch. Somebody say physical touch. I'm going to read this verse of scripture to you. Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 48. It says, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physical, on physicians to get her physical needs met and could not be healed by any. She came from behind Jesus and touched, say touched, touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all had denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes are thronging you and pressing you. And you say, who touched me? There were many people touching Jesus physically. They were around him. They were in the room. They were in the crowd. But Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. He uses that word again. No, somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. And now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed. And immediately he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. It says your faith, but I say your touch has made you well. Go in peace. There were lots of people around the Lord, but only one touched him. Only one. You know what my desire is for the body of Christ? To get past gathering just for the sake of gathering and having church for the sake of having church. My deepest longing is for a company of people to truly touch him. 
to truly touch him, to touch his heart. We can't physically touch him with our hands, but we can touch him with our heart, with our spirit, with our mind, our, our will and our emotions. We can, we can touch him. We can get him to respond to us when we fully give our attention to him, when we fully give our desires to him. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.